This is Out of Office for Thursday the 28th of June 2013. 25 tips in 25 minutes. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Very well, very well. It's been a while since we've had a podcast because of various things happening. You've been away, I've been away, various things have happened, but I'm glad to be back. Yes, me too. So we're going to be a bit ambitious today and give you 25 tips in 25 minutes. So the idea is that they're going to be short, sharp and sweet, and they're going to be really practical things that you can do to improve your out-of-office experience. And so we've broken them down into six groups of four, which gives us 24, and then we've got one tip at the very end. So why don't you start, Chris, with the first set of four? Absolutely. We've already wasted one minute, Kihan, and it's all about productivity, the first set of tips, uh, and how you set up your workspace to make it productive. And uh, so my first tip in this case is, if you can, set aside a dedicated workspace, preferably an office, and if you can, have one with a door. Uh, The reason for having a dedicated workspace is that you don't waste time at the beginning and the end of each day setting up and packing away. And having a door is important because it keeps out noise and it keeps out intruders. By intruders, that's other people in the household who might be inclined to interrupt you and, uh, and affect your productivity negatively. Um, and it's not just a physical barrier having a door. It's also a kind of psychological barrier in so much as it gives a signal to the other people in, in your household that you're working and you're not to be interrupted. And also at the end of the day, uh, again, it's a physical and psychological barrier. You shut the door behind you and you, you're not tempted to go back into work and overwork. Uh, the rest of the day is yours and your own time. Yeah, and my, my first tip follows on from that, Chris, because you're right. It's all about the setup and making sure you've got a convenient place. And if you're going to switch between workspaces, as many of us digital nomads do, then make it easy to switch. So, for example, for me, one of the things that I do is I work from home sometimes and work at the University of Western Australia Club, where I'm a member at other times, and I have everything in a backpack ready to go when I want to work away from home so that everything is convenient. I don't have to hunt around the house for various things that I need. My wireless modem's in the backpack, a spare USB stick. I know I've got a, a extra zip disk there. Basically, everything's ready to go so that all I have to do is pack up my computer, put it in my backpack and move. And whether you're working from a backpack or whether you're working from an internet cafe or wherever you have your various workspaces, think about what you need for each one and then just try and make it very easy to switch between them. Very good. So my second tip for this section is about ergonomics. So you're going to be spending a considerable amount of time working. It's important that you're comfortable. And in an ordinary office, you wouldn't uh, put up with having a, a crappy desk and chair. You'd have you'd insist on fairly good ergonomic equipment to work with. And the same should be for setting up your own home office. So go out and get yourself a, a good quality chair desk, keyboard, monitor and mouse etc and then set them up ergonomically and there are plenty of guides online for doing this. It's all about how you set the height and adjustment of your chair, where you position your keyboard and the uh, the monitor relative to that. Um, and as well as ergonomics for uh, your posture, there's also ergonomics for your eyesight. So things like having the monitor at the correct height and distance is all about uh, making sure that you're focusing and, and not... Uh, your your eyesight isn't uh, converging, I think is the word. And as well as setting up uh, your equipment in the right ergonomic fashion, uh, take regular breaks so that you can stand up, stretch, go for a bit of a walk, and uh, and, and and you don't get physical cr- physically cramped 
by having regular breaks and you also get to relax your eyes. Yep, and my next tip follows on from that one as well, Chris, which is about making your workspace your own. So I think, yes, get the ergonomics right, but also do more to make it a place where you like to work. One of the benefits of working out of office is that you get to choose your environment. And there are certain things that happen naturally because of the environment and other things which you can do yourself to make it a, a, a better environment. So you might want to have family photos, inspirational photo, uh, inspirational posters, uh, make sure you've got a nice desk. And uh, I know some people who have aromatherapy candles or those those burners or just just some uh, nice fragrances in their workspace and if it's your own and you get to choose what it's like why not make it somewhere that you really like so just do some positive things uh, as well as just avoiding the negative things very good all right well our next group of um of tips is uh, we've, we've talked about productivity and part of that is also minimizing interruptions so one of the things that I've done to reduce interruptions is there are all kinds of clients and tools and software that like to pop up alarms and alerts and send off chimes and notifications. And these things are about grabbing your attention and diverting you from what you're doing. So as much as you can, uh, turn those off, disable them or shut down the tools that are causing them to happen if they're not tools that uh, are for urgent communication channels. So uh, this can even extend to things like if you use a tablet or mobile phone whilst you're working or if you have them beside you whilst you're working, either put them into silent mode or even put them into airplane mode so that uh, they're not online. Uh, and if you don't need your landline, take it off the hook because all of these things are potential interrupters um, and if they're not needed for people to contact you urgently, then uh, disable them in some way. Yeah, good. And I think, again, I'm following on from that, Chris, because my next tip is to actually keep certain things on. And you made the point about urgent contact. And there's certain people that you know want to get through to you urgently. And there's certain people who are important. They might be family or partners or, or really important clients. And give them some way of getting through. So if you turn off other things, give them some other channels. So keep on alerts and Maybe you decide that you're going to have to allow people to send you texts but not ring you. And that might be a way that you can get through urgent communication. So the purpose of this is just to know in your mind you can be, you can rest assured that the people who need to get through to you can so that you can focus on the tasks that you need to do without having to worry about checking email, checking your phone all the time. Uh, you can turn those things off and just leave the channels on that you need for urgent and important communication. Very good. So my second tip in this section is to educate the people that you share your household with, so your family, friends or housemates, um, to interrupt you as little as possible. So you might have some rules about you, know, I work for, you work from 9 to 5 and uh, in those hours you're working and you're not to be interrupted. Or you might have more subtle uh, cues rather than explicit rules. So I said previously, if you can have a workspace that's got a door, then when the door is shut, you're at work and you're not to be interrupted. If you don't have a door, I know people recommend, say, wearing headphones. If you've got headphones on, then you're at work and you're not to be interrupted. Uh, that's people within your household, uh, people who might... Uh, might come and interrupt you during the day like family might uh, call up or make a social visit or call you on the phone just let them know that uh, again certain hours of the day you're going to be working and you'd rather not be interrupted so no social calls or, and no phone calls if they can be avoided. 
Good. And the, my next tip is about scheduling smart. So d- think about care, think carefully about scheduling work for times when you're not going to be interrupted. So I know that there are times that there are things that you can do to stop interruptions, but equally, because you're working out of office and you've got a bit more flexibility with your work style and your work times, you can be a bit smart about when you do work. So for example, this morning, I was awake at five o'clock in the morning. I just woke up and uh, I did about three hours work knowing that I could get some uninterrupted work done before my workday starts and before my clients and uh, colleagues start ringing or sending me emails. So there are things that you can do with with time zones and just times of the day that you work. I know Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, uh, she's famous for leaving work at 5.30 p.m. every day, which sounds crazy for somebody who's the COO of a big company like that. But what she says is that she leaves, she spends time with her family, and then she logs on and does some more work late at night after dinner and after the kids go to bed. So that's, I think, smart scheduling. And I think as an out-of-office worker, you've got a lot of flexibility to do that, so take advantage of it. Very good. Yep. Yeah, so the the next group of tips follows on for that, Guillaume, because it's about how you manage your time during your workday. And one of the things that I do is to use something, uh, is to use what I call work sprints, but you might also have heard of the Pomodoro technique. And uh, either way, what they're about is focusing for a relatively short period of time, say 30 to 45 minutes, then taking a short break of around about five minutes, and then repeating. Um, I think in the Pomodoro technique, you do 25-minute work sprints and then a five-minute break. And then after you've done four of those, that's that's two hours and you take a longer break. But it's all about having this intense focus period when you work and then you follow that up with a short break. As I mentioned earlier in the in the earlier set of tips, this gives you a chance, this short break, to do some stretching and to relax your eyes and to also give your mind a bit of a rest as well because if you've been focusing for 25 minutes, it can be wearying and fatiguing. So that break gives you some a, a chance to recover. Yep, and I like that and I do that as well. And the other thing I do uh, and I recommend for everyone is to have some sort of system for setting your priorities for the day because you're always going to have stuff on your to-do list and you're never going to get to the end of it. So you've got to choose which things are going to be the most important for you. And whatever system works for you, use that one. One that I found recently, which I found is starting to work for me, is uh, it's called the 135 system. So you decide at the start of your day or maybe the night before the one really important task that you want to get done tomorrow or today, which would be the most important for the day, you might have three medium tasks and five smaller tasks. And the smaller ones are nice, uh, but if you don't get around to them, that's okay. The the middle ones you'd like to really get done, but the one really important one is the one that you absolutely want to get done during the day. And so you end up with four big tasks on your to-do list and five minor tasks. And there's one of the big tasks, which is a really big one. And then focus on them and just prioritize them. And it doesn't necessarily mean you can do the, the big one first, but at least it's front of mind for you and you know that you want to get it done before the day ends. Okay. I mentioned the Pomodoro technique uh, as the first tip in this section, Gihan, and another component of that is about tracking and logging the work that you do. Um, And while I don't use the the Pomodoro technique explicitly, I do track my time and I find it really useful for two reasons. Firstly, it builds up this record of what I've actually done so I can see whether I'm spending too much time on one task versus another. Um, and it also has gives me the data that I can use for estimating any future tasks that I need to perform. So I'm often asked to provide an estimate of the time involved in doing a particular bit of work and then I can look at uh, my, my log and see uh, whether I've done similar things in the past and how long it took me and then I can come up with a fairly accurate estimate of how long any future task might take me. 
Yeah, and I really liked what he said there, Chris, because you're tracking your time for those reasons and not because you just need to fill in a time she didn't do so many hours a week. Because that's my next tip. The next tip is to make sure that you focus on getting things done. So be focused on your outcomes, not just about the amount of time that you're spending at work. And especially important for out-of-office workers because uh, our managers and our colleagues are really judging us by our results. So they don't really care really how many hours you spend on something as long as you get the results so be laser focused on doing what needs to be done and making sure that you meet deadlines and you do it to the highest standard possible because people are relying on you to to deliver certain outcomes by certain dates and times and uh, so make sure that you do make sure that you make clear promises about what you're going to do and keep them and just do whatever needs to be done to make sure it's done regardless of the number of hours it's going to take Okay, so I think we're about halfway through, Chris, and I think yeah. we're tracking pretty well. So we're on now, track. I've been keeping a log. <laughs> now we're getting into the big one, which is all about email. And we had a number of extra tips in here, which we had to cull to bring the list down. But let's start with, what, let's start with I think, one of the most important ones, and that is don't use your inbox as your to-do list. Uh, most people do this, and I think it's a big trap. And uh, I think if you can avoid this trap, it will make a significant difference to the way that you handle email. Because all your incoming email is somebody else's priority, not yours. So if you use your inbox as your to-do list, what it means is that you're being driven by what other people expect of you. And you never get your own work done. So whatever comes into your inbox, read it, file it, and then get back to your own stuff. Um, I've even come across a tool recently called Boomerang, and it's on the surface it seems like a really useful tool because it just returns your email to you at a later date. So you can say, please send this back to me in three days' time. But I find it really annoying because it, it then means that email arrives, arrives in my inbox twice. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather just file it away the first time uh, if I need to action it later and have it on a separate to-do list. So you really should just treat your inbox as some something where material arrives and then you empty it out as soon as possible, and then get on with your own work. Yeah, absolutely, Gihan. And my tip is it follows on from that almost exactly because the idea is, as you say, you don't with Boomerang, you have to process things twice. The idea with your inbox is that you process it, you file stuff, and then later you action it. So separate that processing from the response, the actioning of your email. Uh, And I mentioned earlier about turning off notifications. Turn off your email notifications, unless it's an urgent communications channel, and it really shouldn't be, because if you turn off those notifications, then you're not tempted, you're not drawn by those notifications into your inbox and uh, tempted to respond to email at the same time. You should be going to your inbox at, uh, according to your own priorities, scanning it and then filing the messages that are, that are within it uh, and not responding to them uh, straight away, uh, responding to them again at a different time that fits in with your priorities and your schedules. And you can also reduce the workload involved in scanning and processing your inbox by setting up some automatic filters to do much of that Uh, for you. So things like newsletters and those sorts of things, they can be automatically picked up by your um, email client's filters and filed away in the appropriate folders without you having to set eyes on them until you're actually looking at that that newsletters folder. Yes, speaking of which, and that leads on to my next point, (laughs) is that people complain about the amount of email they get and sometimes you're you're your own worst enemy. So you mentioned things like newsletters. Uh, Great, some newsletters are fantastic, but some of them are irrelevant. So just look through your inbox and look through your incoming mail and decide which things you just don't need to get. So unsubscribe from newsletters that aren't providing value. Turn off social media notifications. All the Mm. social media platforms will let you do that, but they're generally turned on by default and you need to turn them off. And 
you don't need them because they're already in in uh, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you ever decide to go back and check them, so you don't need to get them in email. Um, if people are sending you email without permission or putting you on these um, multiple emails like multiple CCs or BCCs and they're irrelevant, ask to be removed from them. Um, if you're getting notifications, say from LinkedIn and they're coming every time something happens, you can change them to weekly or even never. So just look through and be ruthless about uh, the incoming email that you yourself can remove very easily. Very good. And so I mentioned in my previous tip that you should separate the scanning and processing of your inbox from responding uh, to, to the messages that are that you're scanning and uh, when you process them what I do is I place them into what are subfolders of my inbox uh, and you can set up the folders in a way that works for you but for me I've got these subfolders that are related to the timeliness with which I want to respond to the messages that are filed within them so I've got an, an urgent one that means it must be dealt with uh, today then I've got uh, another group of folders that relate to messages that I need to respond to within the next few days and then I've got one for newsletters that uh, is is dealt with automatically and uh, then one that uh, is more of a, an FYI, stuff that um, I'm sort of monitoring and I don't need to necessarily action. So that's email, uh, and that's a tool that we use a lot as out-of-office workers and information workers. Something else that we're increasingly using, as particularly out-of-office workers, is online meetings. So the next group of tips is all about that. Uh, my first is to have a pre-meeting checklist. So on my checklist, I've got things like I notify other people in my household that I'm going to be uh, in a meeting and uh, like them to keep quiet if possible and not, not use the, uh, the telephone line extension. I've had a, an order for fish and chips go through in the middle of one of my meetings. Uh, also, turn off uh, devices that you don't need for the meeting. So if I'm usually using my landline these days, so I'll, I'll switch off my mobile. Do a technology check. So uh, for VoIP, uh, VoIP calls, I often check that Skype is working properly by using the, uh, the, the callback service, making sure my headphone uh, and uh, headset is working. If you're going to be recording the meeting, make sure the recording system is working. And finally, have a backup plan. So uh, things like something simple, like I write down any bridge numbers that I'm using for, uh, for tele teleconferencing services in case I get dropped out. I don't have to go and look up the message that the, the bridge number's in. I actually have it written down on a piece of paper so I can get back in straight away. Yeah, and even before you do the pre-meeting checklist, Chris, I think you need to know what you want to get from the meeting. If it's not just about information um, and just getting information, then ask yourself, I think you should ask yourself these three questions. What do you want people to know, feel, or do as a result of you being in the meeting. So it doesn't matter even if you're not the person who called the meeting and you're not chairing the meeting. As a participant, what are your outcomes? And not just your outcomes in terms of what you get from it, but what do you want other people in the meeting to know, feel, or do? And I think if you just ask those three questions before you plan your participation in the meeting, it'll make a big difference to what you get out of the meeting and what other people will get from you being part of it. Yeah, very good. Uh, my second tip for this section, Gihan, is to arrive, so-called arrive at the meeting early. So dial in a few minutes before the starting time. You never know. You might even end up starting a meeting early. It hasn't happened to me yet, but uh, it might happen one day. But at least it creates that culture. You're sort of leading a culture of uh, arriving at meetings on time. Most of my colleagues haven't developed that yet, but uh, it could happen one day. Um, 
arriving early does lead to the temptation to start having a bit of a social chat and you can defeat the purpose of turning up on time or early. So um, what you can do is just say, I'm going to mute uh, my, uh, my phone for a, few, for a few minutes until the meeting time starts whilst I get prepared or whatever and then uh, unmute once the meeting actually gets underway. Yeah, great. And I think the other thing that you mentioned is that, like you mentioned, that sometimes it can cause delays by people not arriving in time. The other big thing that causes delays is, of course, technology problems. And uh, I know a lot of people are doing online meetings now, and still there's so many meetings that get plagued by technology problems, and they cause delays during the meeting as well. So um, if you're, especially if you're playing an important role in the meeting, like a, whether you're, if you're a speaker or chair, chair in the meeting or your host or your moderator or you're presenting something, get really comfortable with the technology. There's nothing worse than sitting in a meeting and watching somebody who's running it or supposedly running it struggling with the technology. So get good with the technology. And uh, if you do, you'll set yourself apart from most people who participate in online meetings. And you'll actually be like you'd be very impressive to other people as well as making, making sure that the meeting runs smoothly. So those are the four areas around online meetings. Uh, our final area is around flexibility, which is something that uh, we mentioned, we touched on earlier, which is out-of-office workers have a lot of flexibility. So we've got some ideas here on how to make the most of that flexibility and make sure that it also doesn't uh, trap you and get in the way of you getting work done. So my first tip is about dedicated time slots. Uh, just consider setting aside dedicated time slots each week for certain things that you want to do. So we talked earlier about prioritizing and setting up um, your tasks for the day but what I'm talking about here is actually deciding that certain times or certain days of the week are for certain things so for example Fridays for me are non-client days so they're the days that I work on marketing and infrastructure um, writing developing new products uh, I know a client of mine he sets his dedicated time as before 8 a.m. in the morning so he wants to make that as productive as possible um, other people set aside afternoons uh, or Tuesday afternoon. Another client sets aside Thursday as his marketing day. So just consider whether you can set aside dedicated times. And if other things flow into that, sometimes you have to make an exception. But at least the rule is that you've got this time set aside. Very good. And uh, so far we've been talking about not being too flexible and I'm going to continue that trend, Gihan, and suggest that uh, having a, a daily routine uh, can help uh, help you work when you're really the boss of your own hours. So you can try fairly regular hours and, and that's what I do. I try to start around about the same time each day and finish uh, at the same time each day, have a lunch break of a certain duration in the middle of the day. Uh, and I've even heard people suggest that for telecommuters and out-of-office workers, they start the day by uh, dressing professionally, getting dressed for work. Um, and while I don't do that, the motivation, the, the reason for suggesting that is that it helps create and reinforce a professional mindset by having a, a preparation routine that gets you into the mood for work and uh, can help you focus once your day gets started. Great, great. My next tip around this is about setting weekly goals. So we talked earlier about setting goals for the day and prioritizing things you want to do during the day, and that's great. But I reckon the other thing you should do, which I got from reading Stephen Covey's book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is to set your goals weekly rather than daily. Because sometimes things just get in the way and there's, there's nothing you can do about it. You're going to miss some daily goals. But if you have your eye on what you want to achieve during the week, then when those little unexpected things come along, you can still sail through them pretty smoothly as long as you know that I want to achieve this by the end of the week. So set your weekly goals and then break them down into daily actions if you want to. 
Yeah. And because out-of-office work offers such great flexibility, don't be afraid to tinker with and experiment with your routines and, and the way that you've set up your work week and your work day. So as well as not only your time, but also the places that you work as well. You've got those freedoms, so why not make the most of them? So whilst you're experimenting and fine-tuning, you can also be checking the goals that you originally went embarked upon out-of-office work for. Make sure that they're fulfilling your aims and goals and tweak and adjust your routines and when you're working and where you're working to, uh, to keep your out-of-office work style on track. Yeah, great, Chris. And I think we've done 24 of the 25 tips now. And the last one that you just gave about just experimenting with things actually leads into number 25, which uh, I'm calling break all the rules. So you should certainly, I hope you use our ideas and any, any others that you find as a starting point. But make sure there's only a starting point. One of the benefits that we've got as out-of-office workers is that you get to make it work your way. So as you said, Chris, try different things. Uh, you can work at different times, see what suits you and your own physical energy. You can try working on laptops versus a desktop versus a tablet. You might experiment with whether you, it's better to work from a home where it's quiet or whether you work at a cafe where there's that buzzy ambient noise. Uh, you might do those work sprints in 25 minutes or 45 minutes. I'm finding at the moment 40 minutes seems to be a right, about right for me. You can decide how, much, how many emails you're going to have in your inbox. I reckon you should have zero, but uh, <laughs> you may want to vary that rule. Uh, when you do your online meetings, maybe you choose some with video, some with audio, some with just instant messaging for basic communication so just try these things and figure out what works best for you obviously you've got to make sure that you don't jeopardize the the work that you've got to do and the deadlines you've got to meet but but don't be restricted either by what you've always done because there might be a better way of doing things very good Gihan I couldn't agree more and uh, I'm, I'm glad we've shared these tips and some of them uh, I'm going to have to revisit and make sure that I'm uh, impl- implementing them myself how about you yeah, absolutely. I think there's some just some really good reinforcements for me, and uh, that last one in particular, just to try a few different things, is worth is always worth doing. Very good. And I think we did our twenty five in twenty five, Chris. Yes, spot on. Yes, so so well done, and uh, enjoyed the conversation, and uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Likewise, Gihan. Thanks, and bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.